word of God. There's nothing like preaching to men. Amen. Hallelujah. First Samuel and I in the word of God. Some time ago, there was a man by the name of Diallo. This man actually came to New York City, and the reason why he came, he said, listen, I'm wanting to come there. I want to study. But his real idea was this. He said, listen, I really want to stay in the U.S. long term. He's wanting political asylum, and so what he did, he's trying to work, trying to get some employment. He begins to sell videotapes, gloves, and socks, and he's doing this on the sidewalk. As he's doing that, kind of minding his own business, kind of from day to day. But on February 4th, 1999, his life's about to change. He's standing there, and all of a sudden, he's coming from the building, and he's got done eating. Four police officers begin to come around. These four police officers, they're in the Ford Taurus, and they drive by, and they see him there. They begin to look at him. They get out of the car, and they're watching him, and they begin to approach him. But here's the problem. As they begin to approach this man, Diallo, they're not in any type of uniform. They're actually wearing normal clothes, and he has no idea. They begin to approach him. He begins to run. He begins to run down the street. They're chasing him. He begins to scream. They go, they're shouting, hey, stop it. Show your hands. Stop it. Show your hands. He's not listening. He keeps running. What he does, I would have to say because the way the story goes, he reaches inside of his pocket. He goes inside his pocket like this, and those officers, somebody yelled out, gun, gun. The moment he reached in, went to pull out, it wasn't a gun. It was his wallet. All of a sudden, four police officers began to unload on him. 41 shots went out. 19 bullets hit Diallo. One police officer even acted like he fell down. There was no gun. There was a wallet. I thought about this. I said, man, I said, there's no way to describe this event than simply poor judgment. These officers, they had poor judgment because in their mind, this is how it is. This is him. This is the right decision. This is going to be now the right choice. This is the right thing to do. But let me tell you, in a critical moment, in a moment of having to make a decision, what these men did, they had poor judgment. Is anybody here this evening? I want to look tonight, this evening, at a man's life who now is going to be in a critical moment, could possibly be an altering moment of his life. Or could have catapulted him into destiny and into purpose. But in one moment, one decision, everything changed. You know, men that are sitting in this place tonight, listen to me for just a moment. If you're ever going to arrive at destiny, it's not going to be by accident. If you're ever going to arrive into God's destiny and God's plan for your life, it will not be God's, it will not be by accident. It will be simply by every choice, every decision you make. You know what, my prayers for men, I said, God, as I watch men get saved, God, as I watch men, God, come down to the altar, God, I watch men, God, have the hand of God on them, God, I watch the touch of God upon them, God, I said, but God, that is not enough, God, every choice they make, God, every decision they make, I pray by the grace of God, they make the right choice at the right time, God, don't let them have poor judgment, God, that's my prayer. Because one decision can change your entire life. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled called 
pour judgment this evening. Come on, 1 Samuel chapter 20. And for the sake of time, I'm going to jump around a bit. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 30 through 35. Then we'll jump down to verse 41 through 42. The Bible says this. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you've chosen a son of Jesse to your own shame? To the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, so shall you be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Now Jonathan answered and said to his father, and he said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spirit him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew. It was now determined that his father killed David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger. He ate no food for the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David, because his father had treated him shamefully. Jump down to verse 41. Now as soon as the lad had gone, David rose from the place towards south, fell on his face to the ground. He bowed down three times and then he, they kissed one another and they wept together. But David all the more so. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace. Since we have been sworn in the name of the Lord saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. Let's pray. God, I come tonight once again, God, by your grace and by your mercy. God, I thank you, God, every man that is sitting in the house of God this evening. God, I know, Lord God, you're the God that saves. You're the God that's able, God, to keep us. But I pray, Lord God, in critical seasons, God, in critical moments, God, of life, that every man, God, would make right choices, God. God, not according, God, to their flesh, not according, God, to their appetite, God, not according to, Lord God, those things around them, I pray, God, let them choose righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. God, I do not come tonight in my own ability, nor do I come, God, in my own strength. Holy Ghost, I depend upon you and only you. And the people of God said, come on, the men of God said, think about the web of relationship tonight. Now, this is one of the stories the Bible has that I would call the web of relationship. But I want to give you tonight just a little bit of a backdrop and lay a foundation. Because you see right now here in the text, Saul is filled with anger. But his anger tonight is, is, is simply now just toward his son, Jonathan. Listen to the words he shoots toward his son. He begins to degrade his son. He says, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know you've chosen the son of Jesse to the house of your shame, to the shame of your mother's nakedness? He don't stop there. He goes on and he goes, let me say something else to you. He goes, son, as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, you shall not be established, nor shall your kingdom be established. Now you have to understand this. This is Jonathan's father, and he loves his father, but he loves David. In other words, can you imagine and can you feel the weight that's on Jonathan right now? 
He's saying in his own heart, in his own mind, he goes, yet I have David on one side, and yet on the other side I have Saul. God, on yet one side, God, I love David. I've made covenant, God. On the other hand, I have my father Saul, who I love. I am the man in the middle, God, and I'm being pulled, God, one way and the other way. But one day he'll have to make a choice now. Let me tell you something this evening. When you are serving God and you have relationships, sometimes you will find yourself in the middle. But you will also find yourself having to decide which way will you go. David, I'm sorry, Jonathan is in this place. See, he understands this. He understands this relationship. He understands the web of this. He understands he's torn between the two. It's Jonathan on the middle, David on one side and Saul on the other. And Saul can see this. He can now see his son Jonathan is tied to David. And David is going one day to take his son's place. But Jonathan, he has cultivated and has become knit to the heart of David. He can sense the hand of God on David and upon David's life. He feels his destiny is tied to David. He understands this. He feels he's knit, he feels he's tied, but he's still stuck between the two. When did all this happen? Can you remember that David was that boy? He's going to fight Goliath, and no one else would fight Goliath. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 58, And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered and said, I am the son of your servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. Then 1 Samuel 18, 1, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, Saul, the son of Jonathan, was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him and his own soul. You can see now, Jonathan feels a connection to David. He knows that God is with David and that his life is going to be better off being hitched to David and sticking with David. But he still must make a choice. You see, Jonathan's choice-making is now about to become critical. I would say at this moment, I say to myself, oh, God, help Jonathan, God, not have poor judgment, God. Let him make the right choice. 1 Samuel 18.3. Then Jonathan and David, they made covenant because he loved him as his own soul. Can you imagine now, he's torn between the two in this web of relationship. That after the day his father now throws a spear at Jonathan. He knows his father is going to kill David. But yet he says, I'm going to be tied to David. He goes somewhere along the way. I'm going to have to make a choice. Which way do I go? Serving God, you will have to make choices. So the Bible says, then Saul, he cast a spear at him to kill him. By which Jonathan knew. It was determined to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger. He ate no food till the second day of the month, for he was grieved. For David, because his father treated him shamefully. You see, Jonathan is now sitting, he's bothered, and he's pondering in his own mind. He knows he must make a judgment call. He knows he must make a choice now. He's finally got up. He goes, okay, fine. I'm going to do it. 
I will let you then find, kill him. He goes, I'll put this whole plan together. But he, in his heart, he goes, hold on. I still believe my life should be tied to David, even though I'm going to help David. But I still must make a choice. One way or the other, I'm going to go now. He puts together this plan. He's now going to help David escape. He has it all worked out. Arrows are going to be shot. A young lad's going to run beyond the arrows and chase them. The Bible says, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, bowed down three times. Then he kissed one another and they wept together and David more so. Now think about this right now. Jonathan has just chosen in a critical moment because of the intensity and because of the pressure coming from his father now. Can I tell you something tonight? That when you have to make choices and when you have to decide do I go to the right or do I go to the left, you will feel the intensity and the pressure of that moment. You feel the weight of life coming on you, and you begin to feel all this begin to burden you, and you will make a choice. But my prayer is, God, let men make the right choice. The pressure's on. He's in this web of relationship. But right now, Jonathan's about to have poor judgment. You know what he does? He sticks with Saul and kisses David goodbye. Pay attention what the Bible says. Look at who cries more. The Bible says David cries more. I wonder this tonight. I wonder when they joined together, he kissed each other goodbye and he began to weep. The Bible said David cried more. I thought in my mind, I said, God, I know there's relationship. God, I know there's covenant. God, but could it have been? That David said, oh, Jonathan, don't you know there's going to be a suicide at the very end. Don't do that. Don't go that way. Don't go the wrong way. Come on, run with me because David is a picture of God's purpose and God's destiny. I wonder if he said this poor judgment is suicide. What's interesting to me, he said, I love you enough to hide you from my father, but I don't know if I can let Saul go. I want to talk about the kiss of death. Now, I laid that foundation for a reason this, this evening. Because look at the story that can bring tears to your eyes possibly tonight. Because very similar watching people in their own life, because people battle between flesh and between their spirit. See, every one of these men saw David and Jonathan that is in this web of relationship. It's symbolic this evening. You see, David is a picture of destiny. Jonathan is a picture of you and I. We have to make a choice. And Saul tonight is a picture, two pictures. He is a picture of the demonic, but he is also a picture of what is kin to you or related to you or familiar to you. Now, David is destiny. You and I are Jonathan, we're in the middle. And then you have Saul on the other side, the demonic or the familiar, or what you are familiar to know with, what is kin to you now. Do I run with God's destiny, 
or do I run with the familiar or do I run with what I know or do I choose to run with God? I must make a choice now. You know, as you serve God, you cannot escape it. You will be brought to a place in a particular moment, in a particular season, where you will have to choose which way you will go. As you serve God, you will have these moments. And in your destiny, you will have to make judgment calls. And I want to say something this evening. That when I saw Saul, and I saw David, and I saw Jonathan, I said, my Lord, my God, right there, Jonathan could have chose righteousness over relationship. The hardest thing that sometimes you will have to face is choosing righteousness over relationship now. What you know and what you're akin to, what you may know and what, you're, you, what the normal flow of your life is, you will have to choose righteousness or relationship. It's familiar to you. See, because you can feel torn between the two. The Bible says in Romans seven twenty one, I find this law, this evil present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into every captivity through the law of sin, which is in my members. You see what the apostle Paul is saying. He said there's a war. He goes, there is this fight inside each and every one of us to do what is right. There is this war, God. There is this battle. God, which way do I do, God? What is right? What is wrong, God? I know what is right. I know what is wrong, God. But do I know how to choose now? Think about relationship. Jonathan is torn with relationship with his father because he is kin to his father. You use that word here, kinfolk. You're related to somebody. He's related to him. Now Jonathan is torn between this. He has relationship he is most familiar with, Saul. There will be all kind of things you can be familiar with tonight. Do you also know tonight the word kindred? That means familiar to you. So you have gotten a revelation of God in your life. And you know you should go with God, but you will battle with things that are familiar with you this evening. But if you're going to have destiny and you're going to arrive at God's intended purpose for your life, then you better learn how to choose righteousness over relationship tonight. See, righteousness, I've seen people battle right here. Righteousness right now over Relationship, I've watched people die and battle right here. I had a young man in my church. Your pastor, I had a chance to meet him. He came when he preached for us, their men's discipleship. He's a young man by the name of Dean. He got saved quite a few years back, and so when he was a, he was a young convert coming along, he had a friend, and so I'm, I learned a lot about how the colored community is. They go, you know, you grow up in the road together. You're always friends. They grow up in front of you. You have a hard time being rude to your friends. So what happens, I'm out preaching somewhere, and he gives me a phone call in the middle of the night, and I can tell something's wrong. I said, Dean, is everything okay? What's going on? He goes, Pastor, no, 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 I, I can't sleep. I, I, I just did something. I said, what happened, Dean? 
He goes, no, no, no. He says, he said, my friend came over. I said, what happened? He goes, no, he just came over. He said, we're going to work on a little bit of music. He goes, he starts playing the music, and then, and then he pulls out some weed. He goes, I, in my mind, I'm like going, I know it's wrong. I'm not going to do it. He, start, he pulls out some weed. He goes, he starts to smoke it, and he asked me if I want some, but that was his weakness. He says, Pastor, I jacked up, man. He goes, I messed up. I smoked weed with him tonight. I'm on the telephone. I said, Dean, I said, that young man is not your friend. I said, judge it. I go through the Bible. I start, I start giving Dean scripture. I said, Dean, judge it. I said, no, no, a friend with the world is an enemy against God. I'm giving him everything. I'm t- I said, you must judge this. And he tells me, I can't believe it. He goes, Pastor, how can I do that? We grew up together. His mom and my mom were friends. We've done these things together all about. I said, you better learn how to judge it. Righteousness over relationship right now. And it was almost as if it was the hardest thing he had ever done. Why? It's always hard to judge what's most familiar to you. But you better choose God. You know what's amazing? All the scriptures I gave him, I couldn't do it for him. He had to do it for himself. Your pastor can't judge for you. You have to judge for yourself, town. I want to say tonight, if there's somebody who's in rebellion... And they're running in rebellion, going the wrong way. Oh, oh, Pastor Ortiz, you don't understand. But we grew up in church together. You don't understand. We grew up in the road. No, no, no. If they're in rebellion, you better judge it. Righteousness over relationship now. It's not about being friends. It's about being right before God. Oh, but I can't. They've been there for me. Oh, but I can't. They've done this for me. Oh, but I can't. They've helped me in a critical time when nobody else helped me. Let me tell you, I told Dean. I said, Dean, you better judge it. That was years ago. He was a single man. He wasn't even married. He judged it. Today, he's married, got a baby in the will of God. A month ago, I brought him on staff with me. Two months ago, I brought him on staff with me. Now, what's amazing to me is this. He don't know me like he knows him. But I'm not God. God has put me in a place to help him find the will of God. And so now he sees me, goes, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but he's my friend. But I want to tell you something. If he would have ran where that young man ran, he would not be alive today. You cannot run with the world and you cannot run with the unrighteous and expect to make heaven your home and choose the will of God. You better learn how to choose righteousness over relationship now. If you want to survive. You know this thing about being familiar. This whole thing about having a kindred spirit. You know what this means now? You know, you can take two people who don't know each other. Or you can take two people that do know each other a little bit, but they don't have much in common. But what's amazing, the moment they have issues in common, they become best friends. One sits on that side of the church. One sits on the other side, they hardly ever speak. 
Listen to me. Devils and people have kinfolks in them. They're related to each other. And they're sitting over there and they're sitting over here and all of a sudden this one has an issue with the pastor. This one has an issue about this, has an issue about that. And my Lord, my God, this one goes, ooh, and, and, they, and they hook up to it. Now they're best friends. Now they're eating together, fellowshipping together. They couldn't stand each other before because now they have relationship. But the problem is they don't understand they have a kindred spirit. Let me ask you, but can you see it? You see, righteousness over relationships is going to determine your outcome. See, Jonathan loved David enough to help him hide from his father. But what about the covenant that was made? Was that not enough to let Saul go, who's headed for destruction? You see why David cried more? It's painful when there's covenant. He saw Jonathan, and he knew this is spiritual suicide, and he cried all the more. He saw what was coming. He saw poor judgment now. I want to say something. I don't know about you. I thank God for our fellowship. And then our fellowship, we're tied by covenant relationship. That's how we're tied together, by covenant relationship. And you will have to make choices with family. You will have to make choices with friends. I want to tell you something. I choose to run with the will of God, and I choose to run in what God has for me. You see, what happened was he should have kissed Saul goodbye, but he kissed David goodbye. Do you know you can kiss the wrong one goodbye? There's a story in the book of Ruth. The Bible says, then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. You ever heard that story? And it's interesting because in that story and the story of David and Jonathan, they're at a crossroads. And it's always when your destiny is at a crossroads when the demonic makes you choose now. The Bible says they're there at the crossroads. They cried and Orpah lifted up her voice and then she kissed her and she said goodbye. You know, they, it's, it's O-P-R-A-H, Orpah. But you know, after Orpah kissed her goodbye, you never hear nothing about her in the Bible again. Oprah left. <laughs> Oprah's gone. Why am I saying this? Because you could kiss the wrong one goodbye, that's the end of your story. Right there, nothing else is left. Right there, nothing else is said. Let me ask you tonight, what about culture? What about your tradition? You get saved, give your life to God and your family. Hey, we have tradition in our family. Hey, there's culture in our family. This is the way we grew up. I am familiar with my culture. I'm familiar with my tradition. I can't let that go. 
If you don't let culture go and you don't let tradition that doesn't line up with the word of God, you will die. If you don't judge it somewhere, we can't judge it for you. Remember now, Saul is on the road to destruction. And and Jonathan doesn't see this. Because they have right now, you know, Saul has this spirit. He has a familiar spirit with Jonathan. They know each other in relationship. Jonathan loved David enough to hide his father. Hide David. But he couldn't leave his father. You see, as he cried more, he felt the agony, he felt the pain. I want to ask you this evening. What about you, young man? If you're in a relationship with a young lady that's ungodly. What about you, young man, if you're in a relationship with her? No, 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 but th- that, that's my honey. That's my baby there. But no, young man, you want to serve God. You want to live for God, young man. No, no, I, I can't let her go. She promised me, I promise, we're going to be together forever. No, 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 you ought to cut that loose, kiss her goodbye, and hang on to God. You got to make choices. You got to make decisions, whether they hurt you at the moment, but later on, I promise you, you'll be grateful now. Life can move on, but you can also miss God if you don't make a right choice in that moment. See, the Bible says these sad words. Go to 1 Chronicles chapter 1. Watch this now. 1 Chronicles chapter 10, 1 through 6. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Geboa. Then the Philistines followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishai, Saul's sons. The battle became fierce against Saul. The archers hit him. He was wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword, thrust it through me, lest these uncircumcised men come and abuse me. But his armor bearer would not, for he was greatly afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword, fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and he died. Look at verse 6. So Saul and his three sons died, and all the house died together. Now think about this. Look at this. David is destiny. Saul is a demonic was familiar to you. And you and I are Jonathan. And there's always people that think they can outsmart God. You can't go against the word of God. Did you hear what I said? That when they killed Saul's sons, he died in the same place where his sons died. If you don't choose righteousness over relationship, you will die in the same place they died. For judgment. 
I should have kissed Saul goodbye. You see, it wasn't the arrows that killed Jonathan. It was poor judgment in that moment. The things you decide to go with, you will also die with. Hello? Jonathan died the same place. You must learn to choose righteousness over all of life's relationships. I want to close it choosing to go with God now. Jonathan and David made a covenant. And you can't break covenant without a price. Do you realize that when you are tied to one another, our relationship, our churches, all of this is through covenant relationship. That day when David killed Goliath, remember, he sensed the destiny on David. Jonathan should have chose to move where destiny was moving. But we know there's another man in the story, a man by the name of Mephibosheth. This is now Jonathan's son. And who is Jonathan's son? We know him. He's crippled. He's a crippled boy. And he's in a place called Lodabar. What happens, the Bible says that now David says, I want to show kindness. He remembers the covenant. He remembers relationship. He says, I want to be able to somehow show kindness. He goes, is there anyone left in you know, the house of Saul? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, there's one. There's Mephibosheth that is left, but he's in a place called Lodabar. The name Lodabar means the place of no pasture. That means that he is now in a place where nothing is happening, nothing is growing, or you can call it the place of no pastor. Because when you go the wrong way, you have no pastor. You think you do, but you don't. And now he's in this place in Lodabar, the place of no pastor, and so what happens, they're going to come get him. And they're coming to approach him. They says, hey, they're going to ask for you to come. Do you know at that moment, Mephibosheth could have said, what, what house? I'm not going to come to the house of David. He knows exactly all that's going on. But thank God he went to the house of David and he sat at the table with the king. In other words, one person can miss destiny and another person can catch it all by making the right choice now. One could miss it. Another man could catch it. It's no mystery. How many men do you know that are in Lodabar right now that at one time were serving God with you, were serving God with me? How many know that they're in that place, the place of no pasture right now? They feel absolutely nothing happening on the inside of them. And someone else has come along the way. And now they have destiny now. All because of choosing what is right. You can have that. And I want to say something else quickly tonight. I want to just throw this in for free. I pray. And every pastor here prays. God Give us souls, God, give us men. Can you say amen? 
And I trust that when every man prays this, every pastor believes God for this, what you're saying is, God, when you send men in, I know, God, if they're tied to you, God, you'll give them destiny. Do you know that even David and even Jonathan understood this? They understood that how critical it is that when young men come in and lads are coming to the kingdom, how critical it is to let them run after God. Go to the Bible quickly. Watch this now. In our text that I read to you, jump down to verse 35. The Bible says this, and so it was in the morning that Jonathan went into the field at the time of appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, now run and find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. Then the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which Jonathan had shot. Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, make haste, hurry, do not delay. Jonathan's lad gathering up the arrows came back to his master. Look at verse 39. But the lad did not know anything. Did you see this now? The Bible says the lad did not know nothing. Now, verse 13, it says, only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Look at this now. You know what this means? That they understand destiny for the future. That they have a young lad, a young man, who is involved in the kingdom, and they want to see him go for his destiny. He says, son, when I shoot the arrows, just chase the arrows, son. Go after the arrows. The arrows are beyond you. You know what it's trying to say? Son, whatever you do, don't look back. Just run after that. Go and you chase that. When God brings men into our churches, it is so critical that you allow them to chase God and do not bring them into kingdom matters they have no business knowing about. The Bible says, and the young lad chased the arrows and they knew nothing of the matter. You look at me like a bullfrog in a hailstorm. Let me tell you what I'm saying. I hope you're not that man that when young lads come in and we're trying to believe God for them to chase destiny, you're going over, oh, did you know about this? Did you know about that? Let me tell you about this and about that. And that happened a long time ago. Let me tell you this and tell you that. The Bible said that even David understood that they said, we're not going to tell the young lad of the matter. We believe in destiny for them. Oh, I hope to God that the rebel isn't going up behind them and saying, oh, yeah, just stick around a little while and you'll see how it really is. God help you this evening. The Bible says just like that, that the young lad knew nothing of the matter. You know why they said, young man, come in, serve God. Don't worry about what happens in the kingdom. There's another king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Go after him now. They understood destiny then. I don't know why people always want to do that. Tell the young lads every issue. And then you wonder why they're not running after God. I don't know, but I'll just say this. 
yeah, being tied to God. There's people in my church I don't want no young lads tied to. I'm not ashamed to say it. Stay away from that one. Listen to me. I'm like this. I'm on my platform. I'm watching everything. One I hear one. Hurry up. Go over there. Get them away from them. We understand destiny. So did they. They understood us so much that they said, let us not tell the young lad of the matter because his future is in front of him. I want every head bowed, every eye closed.